Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. In First Corinthians chapter 11, St. Paul, after he delivered to the people the mystery of communion, Eucharist, when he told them, I delivered you what I received from the Lord Jesus Christ, then actually he told them, or he quoted our Lord Jesus Christ, when he said, For every time you shall eat of this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim my death, confess my resurrection, and remember me when I come. So St. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 26, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So the question here, what is the relation between communion and proclaiming the Lord's death and proclaiming his resurrection? Because we can proclaim the death of the Lord and we can proclaim his resurrection without communion. Why the Lord said, every time you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim my death and confess my resurrection. The proclamation here of the death of the Lord and his resurrection is not the verbal proclamation, but it is the actual resurrection that we receive when we partake of his body and drink his blood. What do I mean by this? It is not when we take communion, we go and preach by our mouth, by our words, that the Lord died on the cross and rose on the third day. No. But by the actual resurrection, by the actual life that we receive when we partake of his body and drink of his blood. Because every time we sin, we become under the sentence of death. The wages of sin is death. So every time we sin, we become under the sentence of death. Then when we come to the table of the Lord with repentance and with eagerness, to eat from his body and drink from his blood, then we are united with the body and blood of Jesus Christ. We are united with the Lord himself. So his death becomes my death. I am dying in him to the world. And because he died for our sins, Then when I'm united with him, so the sentence of death 
that he took in the cross will become mine. Then as he abolished the power of death by his death and his resurrection, in the same time, every time I eat of his body and drink of his blood, I go through the death and the resurrection of the Lord. I participate in actuality in his death and in his resurrection. So the proclamation here is not a verbal proclamation, but it is the life that I receive every time I partake of his body and drink of his blood. As we say at the end of the confession given for us, for salvation, remission of sins, and eternal life to those who partake of him. So every time we come to the Lord and partake of his table, we receive salvation, remission of our sins, and eternal life. And that's what the Lord said to the people today. He who believes in me has everlasting life because he is the only way to the eternal life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. There are two actually ways in this life, either to believe in the Lord or not to believe in him. In John chapter 3, the last verse in John chapter 3, which is verse 36, he differentiates between these two ways. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Those who believe in the Son will have everlasting life. Those who do not believe the Son will not see life, and the wrath of God abide on them. Because he is the only way, the only way to eternal life. Then the Lord tried to explain to them, is it just believing and accepting by our heart that Jesus is the Son of God will give me everlasting life? No. No. Not just you believe and that's it. He started to explain more when he said, I am the bread of life. When we believe in him and we partake of his body and drink his blood, then his life is transferred to me. And he compared between the manna that descended on the people in the wilderness of Sinai during their journey before entering the promised land and the true manna, our Lord Jesus Christ, who descended also from heaven to us who are in the wilderness of this world before we enter the eternal promised land. He told them, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, but what happened? They died at the end. It just gave them survival to their bodies for some times, and at the end they died. So this manna was a symbol to the true manna. I am the bread which comes down from heaven. 
that one may eat of it and not die. When we eat from his body and drink from his blood worthily, we will not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Why he did not give us any bread? Why he gave us his flesh? Because this flesh has the power of dying and also the power of resurrection. So when I partake of his, this flesh, I actually participate in his death and in his resurrection. That's why he did not just give us bread as he gave the, the manna, but he gave us his flesh. Then the Jews start to quarrel among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? This is hard saying. Who can accept it? But the Lord emphasized that to eat from his body and drink from his blood is a condition, condition for eternal salvation. He said, unless, unless it's a condition, you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And yes, God can change this bread and this wine into his body and to his blood. And he explained, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. Again, he said, my flesh is food indeed. My blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. And unfortunately, many denominations, in spite of this clarity with which the Lord spoke about communion, until now they deny that this is the real body and this is the real blood, and deny the words of God, and they don't believe the Son of God, that he can actually give us his body and his blood in the form of bread and wine. And our brethren, the Catholic, try to explain the process of changing, how the bread and wine change into the body and blood. So they say the form doesn't change because the form is the same. At the end, you see it's bread and what's in the cup, it's wine. So the form does not change. So they say, what change is the substance, not the form? So they said the process is not a a process of transformation. Because transformation means the form is changing. But it is the substance. So they used the term transubstantiation. The substance changes. And Thomas Aquinas, from the Catholic Church, he is the first one who used this term, transubstantiation. And when Martin Luther split from the Catholic Church, he refused this term. And he said, no, there is no transubstantiation. 
even the substance doesn't change. And he introduced another term, which is consubstantiation. And consubstantiation means equal. So this is equal to the body of the Lord. And until now, the Lutheran Church believes in consubstantiation. And the Catholic Church believes in transubstantiation. And the term consubstantiation, which means equal, opened the door to Calvin and Swingley, who came after Martin Luther, to say it is just a symbol. It's equal. It is a symbol. It is not the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm trying to explain to you the history, why some denominations, they deny this is the body and this is the blood. But what about the Orthodox Church? Which term we are using? Are we using transubstantiation or consubstantiation? We don't use either. We don't use the transubstantiation or consubstantiation. When you ask an Orthodox person about the process, how the bread changes into the body and how the wine changes into the blood, they will tell you it's a mystery, mysterion. It is beyond and above our comprehension. I believe this is the body, real body, and this is the real blood. But how the bread and wine change it into the body and the blood, it is a mystery. We don't know and we don't understand. And this is a big difference between the Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church. The Orthodox Church believes in mystery, in the mystical theology, that the actions of God is mystical, beyond our comprehension, mysterion. We don't understand it. Can you explain to me how God became man? It's a mystery of incarnation. How he was born of a virgin? We don't understand it. Yes, definitely he born from a virgin. But how? We don't understand. So the Orthodox Church doesn't focus on how. But we know for sure that this is the body and this is the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. But the Catholic Church, which use what we call scholastic theology, not mystical theology, they try to explain how, how things happen. And explanation of how opens the door to Protestants to actually challenge them and come with another interpretation of the how. This big difference between Eastern spirituality and Western spirituality. Eastern, we believe it's a mystery, but Western, they want to understand how the process. But who can explain the work of God? It is beyond our comprehension and beyond our understanding. St. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 instructed us to approach the table of the Lord worthily. 
Otherwise, we will be guilty of his body and his blood. And what does it mean to approach the table of the Lord worthily? Mean with repentance. As he said, let the person examine himself. And thus, he eats the body and drinks the blood of the Lord. Because if we judge it ourselves, we will not be judged. Judging ourselves, that what we practice in the sacrament of confession. Because in confession, I judge myself and I say I am worthy of death because of all the sins that I have committed, I am worthy of the eternal punishment. But I'm coming here asking the forgiveness of God, asking the mercies of God to forgive me my sins and to give me eternal life. So when we judge ourselves, we will not be judged by God. As St. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 31, for if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. It's very important to practice the sacrament of repentance and confession regularly. Because in confession, we judge ourselves. Then we will escape the eternal judgment at the last day. Every time you judge yourself here on earth, you are escaping the eternal judgment. And by partaking of his body and drinking his blood, we will receive salvation, eternal life, and remission of our sins. So, during these 50 days, the church repeats several times, more than one time, the gospel from John chapter 6 that speaks about communion. Because we participate in the resurrection of the Lord in real way in communion, in Eucharist. So Eucharist is the way in which the resurrection of the Lord becomes my resurrection. As we say in the litany for the gospel, for you are the resurrection of us all. How his resurrection becomes my resurrection, mainly through the Eucharist. Because in this Eucharist, I participate with Christ, who abolished the power of death, who rose from the death on the third day. So in the same way, I will defeat death through the power of resurrection that's working in him and now working in me. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.